You are listening to the Riverside Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at www.riversideconnect.org. We are in part three of a series entitled Fully Alive, and I hope you're ready this morning. Because I believe that God wants to change lives here this morning. I believe God wants to infuse a new spirit within the person whose life would be open toward him this morning, the one who would want to hear from heaven this morning. I believe God wants to show up in that person's life. And this series is one that is an, an encouragement to the human life, whether you're here for the first time and you haven't been in church for a long time, or maybe this is your first time, or maybe you've grown up in the church and it's just old hat. This is a part of the routine, the weekly routine. I believe God wants to disrupt something this morning. And I believe that God wants to infuse a new kind of zeal, a new kind of passion, a new kind of motivation, a new kind of life this morning. I really believe that. And this morning, we are in part three of a series called Fully Alive, but beyond a part in just a monthly or bi-monthly series. This is a focus that we have as a church for an entire year where we are focusing on how God wants to come into people's lives and wants to burst it into life. And this is what Jesus, God himself, said in John 10, 10. This is also the main text for this year's theme of Fully Alive, as well as this series of Fully Alive. This is what Jesus said. I came so that everyone would have life and have it in its fullest. This is good news this morning. Do you find that when you look out into the world, when you read the news, when you rub shoulders with family members and friends and co-workers, that there is a lacking of life? Do you find that there needs to be some kind of rejuvenation in this world, that there needs to be some kind of new infusion of life and hope? Do you find that for your own life? Do you find that as you sit here this morning that you need to hear from heaven that you are right on the brink and you are in desperate need of this being true, that there is a God who actually cares about you and who cares about this world and he wants to bring a new kind of life into it. That is good news this morning. I'm already getting excited. Part three, I'm already getting excited because I believe the world desperately needs to experience the truth of this text. That God, he comes to give life and life to its full. So many times we come into church and I think that we get into this mindset that, oh, here's, you know, the God thing. I'm checking it off my list. Here I come to hear where I'm kind of messing up and let's go and fix it. No, 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 that's not what God has in store. That sounds like death, doesn't it? Or sometimes when we come into church, you know, we kind of make jokes from the platform as pastors of, hey, make sure you wake up. I shouldn't have to convince anyone to wake up because, you know, there is a word from heaven this morning that God wants to come into your life and he wants it to burst. He wants it to, for you to experience life and life to the full. I think it's time that the church, again, starts to get a little stirred up, starts to get a little bit excited because here we are, we're starting to hear the noise of culture. The heartbeat is starting to sound like, and here we are with some paddles that there is a God in heaven who has not given up on this world, who has come that they might receive life and life to the full. 
Now, here's the thing. Life and life to the full within our culture cannot be fully realized. The scope of this life cannot be fully experienced or realized alone. That's not what God has in store. It is to be experienced, the full breadth of this life, the fullness of the life that God has in store for people is to be experienced within the context of very strong community. Very strong community. Now, if you are here and you've been living on this earth more than a year, then you know that strong community is actually kind of hard to come by. And it doesn't happen automatically. As we drift through life, you know, it's not like we just end up next to the kind of people just automatically who are going to be standing near us during some of life's most difficult moments. Or when we feel alone, it's not that that person is just going to automatically pick up the phone and we're going to receive that phone call and receive that word of encouragement right away. Good community doesn't happen just automatically It happens intentionally. It happens with discipline. It happens with sacrifice. It happens with movement and energy. It happens with intentionality. And the question is this morning, how can we experience this kind of community? The kind of community that really God has designed for people to be a part of and to experience the fullness of life that he spoke about here in this text in John 10, 10, to experience life and life to the full. How can we experience that kind of community? 13 years ago, now don't hold this against me. I moved here from Philadelphia area. Do you hear the audible sigh? Actually, we're going we're gonna to return to this later. Uh, see, we're already drawing fences. We're, we're, we're drawing barriers here. Actually, I'll tell you this real quick before, I, look, I'm already getting sidetracked. This is what happens. I hear an audible sigh sidetracked. I love Pittsburgh so much. I have lived in Pittsburgh longer than I've lived anywhere else. I refer to it as the promised land. I believe that I showed up in God's country. I really believe it. I love this place. I think we've got the best sports teams. I know we've got the best food. I know we've got the best city. I get really angry when people talk bad about Pittsburgh. Um, So fully transplanted, fully rooted here. Uh, I think God will either have to kill me or physically move me in order to get me out of here. Um, I'll never say no to God, but man, my heart is here in Pittsburgh. Anyway, so I moved here from Philadelphia area, South Jersey to be specific. Hello, anyone from South Jersey? No? Oh, one. Good. Let's talk afterwards. Philadelphia. Okay. Philadelphia. Okay, good. All right, let's help each other. We're back in the promised land now. Welcome. Uh, Here's the situation. 13 years ago, I decided... I decided with my friends on a Friday night, what were we going to do? We were going to make peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. We're going to go into the city like we do constantly. We spent a lot of time in the city. Take the train in from South Jersey. And we're going to go and we're going to hand out sandwiches to people who are homeless. Now, this isn't me uh, humbly bragging here this morning. This is what God does with people's lives. You know, I would have never in a million years done this on my own. So I really got to give credit to God for changing my heart enough to care and think about people who would be hungry on a Friday night who don't have homes. So we put together some, you know, I don't know, 30 little lunches of peanut butter and jelly, and we wanted to go to the parks and hand out some sandwiches to people who were hungry, all in the name of Jesus. So we would have a a semi-awkward, you know, it's a little difficult walking up to people and just giving them a sandwich. 
I'm just being honest with you. And we wanted to make sure that people know that we weren't just giving sandwiches because we're good people. We wanted to give sandwiches because we're messed up people and God really changed our lives because that's what God does and God cares about all people. And so we were giving peanut butter and jellies out in the name of Jesus. So we would give a sandwich, say, hey, man, this is kind of crazy. I got a sandwich. I don't know if you're hungry right now. Here's a sandwich for you. It's kind of crazy, but God, he just wants us to care for each other, and we care about you. You know, you're not forgotten here. God has not forgotten you. And I'll never forget, forget this one person. And for 13 years, I've thought about this instance multiple times. I came across this man who just kind of went by Sarge. That's another thing. Everyone has street names. Everyone's got like these names, you know, that they go by. It's a Sarge. I'm talking to Sarge. And Sarge was a writer. He liked to write stories. And he told me as I gave him this sandwich, I have this story for you, a story to tell you. Okay, let's hear it, Sarge. He was in the military. Sarge. So he started telling me this story that there were two guys and both held their hearts in their hands. One person had his heart all together, really tight-knit, strong, held together. And yet he said this man's heart was together, and yet it was in pieces. That's what he kept saying. It was whole, and yet it was in pieces. And he said that there was another man, however, who held his heart in his hands, and his heart was in pieces in his hands, and yet his heart was whole. And he just kept stressing this. He kept stressing this distinction between there's one man, his heart is whole and it's in his hand and yet it was in pieces. And then here's another man whose heart was in his hands and it was in pieces and yet it was whole. And Sarge went on to explain, and this has stuck with me for 13 years. You know that sometimes the scripture says that we are entertaining angels when we are talking to people. Sometimes I wonder if I was talking to an angel this day. And he went on to tell me that the reason this person's heart was whole because it was in pieces was that everywhere that this person went, he gave away a piece of his heart. Now, this sounds, hopefully, to no one here this morning, uh, kind of cutesy and trite and something you'd find on a Hallmark card because it's something that has stuck with me for 13 years and something that I think is true and confirmed within the Scriptures that when we give away pieces of our heart to people, that's when we experience a kind of fullness of our hearts that God has designed for us to experience. Sarge went on to say that day, and you have, and he did this motion, a piece of my heart today. And I'm just like, <laughs> excuse me, Sarge. I, get, I bet you, Sarge, he uh, is not thinking about that guy who gave him a sandwich. I bet you he can't remember that at all. I remember distinctly meeting Sarge 13 years later. And sometimes when we give our hearts to people who maybe we would never think would benefit us, that's when we experience a move of God. Amen? Now, here's the thing. It's difficult, isn't it? It's difficult to give away pieces of our hearts. Some of us have experienced this. And maybe if you're a big macho guy here, you're like, yo, man, I don't even give away a piece of my heart here today. You know, I got it together. This is such a guy thing. You know, no, no, I got it. I'm good. I don't need no one. I got you. We're good. I'm good. We don't, I don't need anyone. It's when we live with that kind of suppressed and kind of whole heart that we experience a heart that's really in pieces. Why is it that we are so hesitant to give away pieces of our hearts? I believe some people are here this morning because you have been burned when you have done it. Maybe you have gone out 
and you have given away your peace of heart in a particular community only to have been burned by doing so. And the people who you have loved most and who you have set your life down for, when you have given away a piece of your heart, they have only turned their back on you and you find yourself in pieces. To give away a piece of our heart, to experience a kind of community that God has in store for us, it takes courage. It takes vulnerability. It takes intentionality. It puts us in some awkward positions. It releases some control. And so oftentimes, the easier thing to do and the thing that we end up doing at times is kind of just holding back. And we keep our heart all together, and yet we find ourselves in pieces. God has something bigger in store, and I think he wants to open some eyes and hearts this morning to experience a different kind of community, a different kind of fullness of life. Because we can experience the kind of community that God has in store to experience the fullness of life. He has made a way. He's made a way. He's broken down some walls that exist between people in pretty powerful ways. And in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 14 through 18, I've been thinking about it nonstop for weeks now. And it's one that I think we need to focus on here this morning. And maybe you would write down, if you're a note taker, I'm a big note taker. I'm a believer in taking notes. And actually, I stick with the old pen and paper and I do it that way. But we also have a handy app where you can take notes as well and follow along. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 14 through 18 says this. For he himself, speaking of God, Jesus in particular, is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace. And in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him, we both have access to the Father by one spirit. How can we experience this kind of community? One that gives our pieces of our hearts and to experience the kind of fullness, a whole heart as a result. I love this text of Ephesians chapter 2, verses 14 through 18 on the screen here. Notice how the word peace is used multiple times, that within and from God comes an ability to experience peace within different people and different situations, an ability to experience a togetherness, a unity. I find that our world is wrought with division and disunity. I believe that constantly people are drawing lines and saying, you are in and you are out. This is a human problem. I consider the strength of this text and what God wants to do in establishing peace by creating one humanity. I think of the power of this text in the midst of a season that we're about to enter. I'm sure it's everyone's favorite season of election season where you just love watching people just destroy each other day in and day out. Isn't it something? Just this line of division that just hits so strong. You are in, you are out, I hate you. So many emotions, so many circles being drawn in, out. And here exists the 
God who wants to kind of open up a new reality to establish a way to peace. This isn't a new problem. This is a human problem, a problem of setting up barriers, of drawing lines, of saying, no, no, you're out and I'm in, they're in, you're out. We constantly are drawing lines. This isn't a new problem. This is a human problem. It's a selfishness problem. It's a sin problem where we draw lines and establish who's in and who is out. Now here in the historical context of Ephesians chapter 2, we're talking about Jewish people and the Gentiles who are known as the Gentiles, the people of God and everyone else who was not the people of God. Now I'm not going to bore you with the historical context. The historical context does not exist to bore people. It exists to highlight and illuminate the truth of the scripture. In fact, if you were not here last week, I would encourage you to go back and listen to Pastor Bill's podcast in part two of this series when he's giving some background on the church of Ephesus and particularly the concept of infant exposure. You have to go back and listen to it. I was moved to tears as I was sitting in the seat listening to Pastor Bill preach and just talking of the historical historical context of infant exposure. I can't go running into it right now, but when you look at the text that he was preaching and how God has adopted as his own people and the love that he displays in the midst of a culture where infant exposure was so rampant, oh my goodness, burst to life this text. Now, the historical context of Ephesians chapter 2 is that God has and had within the scriptures set apart a people for himself, the Israelites, his people, the Jewish people. And he set a whole list of regulations and rules and laws, ways by which they were to live. For what reason? That they might be holy in the midst of a culture that was infested and infected with sin. Now, the term holy means set apart. So literally, in the midst of the sinful world, there was supposed to be a group of people who would be set apart, holy, distinguished from the rest of the mess for the purpose of serving as God's example and light in the midst of that broken world. They were to be set apart to serve as an example, servants of God, to be seen as God representative here on this earth. Not only to serve as the example in the midst of the brokenness, but to actually attract those who were outside of the people of God to God in worship. That's why the nation was created. To attract people to God, to serve as an example within a broken community. Now here's what happened. And this is where the historical context gets blown into a human dilemma that we're still, we are still experiencing today. They took this way of living and they drew lines and said, now we are in and you all are out. It became a source of pride. It became a source of division. It said, there is us and there is you and we're going to stay over here and you're going to be out. And so you can see here what God had in store was not to create a division, but he wanted to create a place and a people who would be able to come together. Now, that's the context of this text. You see here, for he himself is our peace. Speaking of these two groups of people who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility by setting aside in his flesh the law and its commands and regulations. 
His purpose was to create himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace, and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near, for through him we both have access to the Father by one spirit. Jesus died on the cross so that he can create a new kind of person. A new kind of identity where everyone is able to come in by its nature, this new person, this new humanity, this new creation that comes by way of a relationship with God. By nature, this new humanity is inclusive, not exclusive. Meaning it doesn't matter what your background is. Is. It doesn't matter your race. It doesn't matter whether you're male or female. It doesn't matter what social status you have, what your income is, where you live. It doesn't matter. Everyone is able to come in to this new creation, this new thing. And it changes everything because it is not based on merit. It is a gift. So no one can take credit and say, I am in because of what I have done. Therefore, you are out. No, no, no. It's a free gift from God, which means that we relate to people differently. The Christian life relates to others differently. It says, no, come on in. I'm a mess. If we have anything in common, it's that we are messes, and God fixed the mess. He fixed the mess, and everyone is able to come in. And so why are we still drawing lines? Why are we still holding on to our hearts and having it so tight? We should be throwing out pieces to our hearts to all kinds of people. That's what we should be doing and experiencing in this world. I love the way it's stated in Colossians 3, 10 through 11. Now you are dressed in a new wardrobe. So this speaks of the peace that God gives to people. Through the cross, this new humanity says it so beautifully. Now you're dressed in a new wardrobe. You're no longer just dressed in being the, this person who works at this place, making this amount of money, and if anyone is not there, then they're out. You are dressed in a new wardrobe. Every time, every item of your new way of life is custom made by the creator with his label on it. All the old fashions are now obsolete. Words like Jewish and non-Jewish, religious and irreligious, insider and outsider, uncivilized and uncouth, slave and free, white and black, male and female, upper class and lower class, Phillies, pirates. So you always got to balance the hot button with the funny. They all mean what? Nothing. They all mean nothing. From now on, everyone is defined by Christ. Everyone is included in Christ. Racial, religious, cultural, and social barriers can all be removed under Christ. This is bigger than it sounds. Because when we look at the problems in this world, how many problems exist in relation to the barriers that are surrounding these words? Race, culture, gender, all these things. And yet God has designed it that we might be experiencing and could experience a new kind of life, a new kind of humanity that is inclusive and not exclusive. 
all people are welcomed in. How we relate to each other now is changed. Our primary identity is now in Christ. I am now a follower of Jesus. Are you a follower of Jesus? I am no longer primarily a millennial, white, middle-class male. I'm still very much all those things. And in fact, if you want to be reminded of that, just see me on the beach. Burn. Actually, that's when I turn from white to red. Fully. Relax, everyone. Just relax. Our primary identity is now in Christ. That's what God wants to do. He wants to change the way that we relate to other people. So many of us are so closed off because we have set up barriers. We're holding on to our heart because we're not finding that we connect with this person who is around us. Is our primary identity found in Christ or is it found in our work? Is it found in our family? Is it found in our culture? Is it found in our history? All these things are beautiful and actually can be beautiful as numerators. Not the denominator. The denominator signifies the whole. I am a part of the whole, but my whole, if you call on Jesus as your Savior, is that you are a new creation in Christ. And that is your primary identity, and it is a secure identity. One that can be open to all kinds of people. Sure, we have our numerators. But as long as we share the denominator, that means that we are family. And it's beautiful because what I'm not saying, if you're sitting here and saying, hey, does that mean that people who don't share the common denominator of Christ, does that mean that they are out if they don't believe in God? No, no, no. Because this denominator of Christ comes as a gift, meaning we didn't earn it. So on our own, we are sinful. Meaning that we did not deserve to be brought into this new creation and experience this kind of peace that can exist between people. So we ought to be grateful when we see people who don't have relationship with Jesus. Do we turn our nose at them? Do we turn our back on them? Or do we turn, turn toward them to say, guess what God did for me? I'm just like you. There is no difference between the two of us. I am a mess on my own. And yet God created a way. Let me show you how you can come into the fold. Let me show you how you can come into this new experience of life with God. That's what God wants to do. He wants to break open our hearts that we can begin to extend our hearts to others and experience a really awesome and powerful and diverse and amazing community that can really only come from God. It can only really come as available from God. I stand on soil in different countries and I connect to these people who speak different languages than me, who eat a lot different food than me, who certainly dress differently than me, but I feel closer to them because of their relationship with Christ than I do sitting in the Ace Hotel, eating at a nice restaurant, and the people who are my own age. That was a special um, event, by the way. I don't go there often. Can't afford it. Just letting you know. Don't take that the weird way. What am I saying? All right, let's carry on. God wants to open up our hearts to be able to give away pieces of our hearts. You know, I love the way that in Ezekiel eleven nineteen says, I will give them an undivided heart and put a new spirit in them. I will remove from them their heart of stone and give them a heart of flesh. 
God wants to come into people's lives and first restore a vertical, which was last week's message, kind of relationship with him where he breaks down the hardness of our hearts that God can receive our heart. And what God wants to do is he wants to turn it into a heart of flesh, meaning not just solid, not prideful, not selfish, but he wants to open it up to be humble and selfless so that we can give away pieces of it to other people and to experience a kind of fullness that can only exist when we do so. When we give away pieces of our heart and when we seek community and friendship and love with other people and especially within the church. There should be a kind of affinity for other Christians that exists within the Christian life. This is a real burden that... um, that God's been laying on, no pun intended, my heart here this morning. That there should be a real, if you are a follower of Jesus, if you are a Christian, you call on Jesus as your Savior, whether you're at the starting gate or have been doing it for a long time, there should be a kind of affinity for other Christians. What do I mean by affinity? A kind of magnetism kind of drawn toward, a kind of love for Christians. Now, this isn't at the expense of love for the world. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just focusing on this lane here for a moment. Do we love the church? Do we love the bride of Christ? Do we love other Christians? Church isn't just Riverside. It's not a building. It's a group of people. That's really what ecclesia means, is a group of people who happen to call on the name of Jesus. It's that group of people. Riverside Community Church is a little C troop. We're a church. We're a little group of believers in the grand scheme of the world. What I like to call the little C church. Right here in Oakmont, up at the mills, that's our little corner here. But we got awesome people. Some, what, 800 people to 1,000 people are coming in and out of our services. And this family, this group, this ecclesia, Do we have a special kind of love for and care for, a drawn toward affinity for other Christians? There should be, and there needs to be, if you call on Jesus as your Savior. And here's the word that's really important. And it needs to be and should be observable. It should be observable, meaning it should be seen. When people come into this place on a Sunday morning, they should feel a palpable kind of love that exists between each other. A kind of care that exists for each other. Because of what Christ has done, look at what, where we are together. Look at what God has done in our lives. Now I'm actually talking. Look what God has done. Do you see where we were all headed? And do you see where God has set it? that we get to go, we get to experience life and life eternal. We get to help people experience God. We get to give people not a bunch of smoke and mirrors, but we get to give them actual hope, actual assurance. We can speak to them of an actual peace that exists, a kind of forgiveness that exists. Have you ever looked at someone in the eye who has made so many grave mistakes over the course of their life, and they are so defeated, and they are so brought down, and you look at them in the eyes and say, guess what? God loves you. He hasn't given up on you. He's got a plan for your future. He's got hope for you. Look what God has done. Look what we get to do. When we look at other Christians, we should say, 
brother, sister, look what we get to do. Not in some weird way. You know how Christians get weird sometimes? I'm not talking about that. I've been around church for a long time. You know, Christians can get weird. But an authentic kind of like affinity for one another. In fact, that weirdness is real. As a joke, I said it as a joke, but some of us here have been hurt by other Christians. Some of us have come in here and your heart is so closed off because you have been wronged within the body of God, the church. Oftentimes we have people come in here who come from other churches in the wake of just some really devastating things happening. People turning their back on them. I'm going to tell you right now that Riverside is not a perfect church. Why? Because we are a fragmented people. In fact, if it gets too perfect, then I would start to be a little suspicious because I think we're not getting authentic if we're not getting a little messy because we're a mess that God is redeeming. And so I'm going to fail you. Pastor Diane's going to fail you. Pastor Bill's going to fail you. We're all going to fail you because we're people. But we love each other and we need to work toward each other. Some of us have been hurt deeply by the church and that's why the observable love and affinity just isn't there. There's also the reality that some of us more easily connect to those outside of the faith. Because church and Christians sometimes create a culture that doesn't exist within the Bible. It becomes a subculture where we talk a certain way, we dress a certain way. And that can be very alienating to someone outside of it. That's why here at Riverside, we always say we want to be a church that is open to all people, whether they have an experience with God or not. We have to be careful that we don't draw the lines. Don't let your past experiences throw you out off from loving the church as God has designed you to love one another because it is in that love, it is in that giving of your heart to those who are within the faith that you are to experience the fullness of life that God has designed you to experience. In fact, it needs to happen. So it has moved from a, hey, you should do this because it's good for you to, this is what God has commanded that we love one another. John 13, 34 through 35 says this, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Meaning it is to your and my benefit that we love one another as Christians, but also the world needs to see that love. It is by that love and the observation of the observable love between one another that they will know that, hey, what is going on in there? There must be some kind of higher hope. There must be some kind of higher purpose. There must be some kind of God if they actually care for each other, even in the midst of that situation, even in the midst of that circumstance, even in the midst of that season. These guys just really love each other. I want to be a part of that. How do I get a part of that? Then we get to show, this is how you get to be a part of it. God has removed the wall of hostility. You are welcome right in. If our heart, if God comes into our lives and our heart is to be in pieces that we might experience a wholeness, what I'm saying here this morning is that many pieces of our hearts should go to the church. Church meaning other believers. Forge the kind of relationships and friendships and community with people who are pointed in the kind of direction that you are pointed in now as a new creation in Christ so that you can experience the fullness of life that God has in store for you. And not so that we can stay in a nice, holy huddle. 
because that would be falling into the very temptation that God's people, the nation of Israel, fell into, where they just made it all about them and turning their back on the rest of the world. That's not why we're connecting. That's not why we're loving one another. We are literally coming together and loving on one another, caring for one another, encouraging one another, helping each other stay accountable, calling each other out, experiencing this kind of community so that others will be drawn to God as a result. And we don't say, no, 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 you don't belong here because you did that last week or because you came from that background or that political party. You just say, we were hoping you would come in. So come on in, let's go. And then we cooperate with one another, literally cooperate, operate with, to move the kingdom of God forward like it couldn't on its own. I really believe, and I want to worship, uh, invite the worship team to come back up here this morning. This is an important point here this morning. And as there's some movement here on the stage, I want you to stay with me because this is really something I believe God wants for our church. I'm so thankful to be a part of a church where I feel that unity, when I feel that solidarity with you all. And if you're newer here, I want you to dive really in. I want you to take that risk of just giving a piece of your heart out to someone here and just kind of entering into the community. Come on in. The doors are wide open. We want everyone to come on in. We want the church. I would love for us to need a new building, to be honest with you, because people just couldn't fit in here anymore. I'm ready to go to three services. Are you ready to go to three services? I'm ready to go to Monday night. Who wants to go to Monday night? I'm ready to start adding services because people want to come in and experience God. Do you understand? I'm not content with just two services. I'm not content with this row being empty. I want people to come in. Why? Not so Riverside could gain fame, Riverside Church, because people can join in and experience God. I really believe this is a season that we are in as a church, and I believe our success as a place of worship will exist in two things, primarily one, in our love for God. If you find that you are unable to connect, that your heart, your, your, your heart is hard and you're unable to give a piece of your heart, if you find that you don't have that affinity for other believers, step one is to connect closer to God, to get to God, to love God. I believe that as you love God more, you will love others more. The success of, of our place of worship will first and foremost exist in our love of God, and two, our love for each other. A unification, a solidarity, encouragement, support, and sacrifice. This morning, please hear this. Love God and connect to his church with a new kind of zeal, with a new kind of passion. It takes courage, it takes bravery to take a piece of your heart and give it there, especially you've You've been hurt in the past. But take that step, because I believe it is in that step, in the development of that kind of community, where we can experience life and life to the full. And so as we prepare to worship here this morning, I really want to leave you with doing, like, three things. One of three things, okay? And then we'll get going, Trey. I love you. I bring him up here, make him stand for 15 minutes. Here's the first thing. And this is something that we as a church have been feeling on our hearts here. We have places, and this is not a means to try to manipulate you into doing something like this. This is an authentic kind of, I sense God calling out to someone here or multiple people here. 
to join in what I'm about to say. We have avenues that serve as a way for people to start entering into deeper community here at Riverside. There's Sunday morning experience where we come together just like this, but then there's small groups. And people really connect with each other at small groups. And from there, they end up in each other's homes and end up really living life together. And so it's like a small group is a great next step into building and giving away your heart and entering into and loving this community. But we need more groups. And I believe in order to have more groups, we need more people leading groups. And so the ask here this morning is, I would ask you to consider here, whoever you are or yous are, it's like a Pittsburgh thing, yous. Yins, use. I hear yins and use. Lead a small group. If you've been following Jesus for a long period of time, you don't need to pray and ask him, hey, do you want me to lead a small group? No, go lead a small group. I will be God's mouthpiece here. Go lead a small group. At least take the step, next step in leading a small group. Help create a space where people can connect. Our world is so desperate for this. There's a lot at stake here. And so if you're interested in just taking the step, and a step is interest, just knowing what that looks like, what, what, what journey or path would I need to get on in order to lead a small group, to create a space where people can connect. In the sermon app notes at the bottom of the page, you'll see a link that will take you to just putting your name and saying, I want to know a little bit more. So I encourage you to do that. The second thing here is, and I know that that's not for everyone, so here's a big do this here this week. Add one point of connection this week to the church, meaning the group of believers, a person within the group of believers. Add a point of connection. So if you're here and you haven't been to church in a long time, for instance, come next week. There's your added point of connection. Maybe you weren't planning on coming next week, but come next week. Add that point of connection. Maybe you are already a faithful attender, so now you're going to send a text out to someone who you met here this morning and say, hey, Let's grab a cup of coffee. Add a point of connection this week outside of your normal connection with the church. And all of us, let's come back. Let's keep coming together like this on a Sunday morning. Let's ask each other how each other's weekends are going, how things are going, how life is going, and let's commit to it. Love God and connect to his church. I believe it is there that we get to experience the kind of life when we live with arms out, our hearts open and going out, that we can experience life in life to the full. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much that you're a good God who has created a way for us to experience authentic community, to help us to live life and life to the full as you, as, as you have designed it, God. And I pray that you would help us to step into that, to take seriously your command when you say to love one another. And I pray that as people observe and see the kind of love that exists because of the love you have demonstrated to us, I pray that others would be attracted to you and that we would be the kind of church that would be open to say, come on in. We were hoping you would come in. And let us be obsessed about seeing others come to you as a result. I pray that you would help the person whose heart is hard here this morning. I pray you would soften it, God. That they might experience the kind of life you have designed for them in giving away pieces. That although their heart is in pieces, that it would be whole. Help us to love you and connect to your church. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Riverside Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at www.riversideconnect.org.